Hello there, listener. Yes, you specifically. You should know that sometimes, due to the things we discuss on the pod, it might contain potentially triggering content. But the good news is you can always review the episode descriptions for a full list of the warnings applicable to this episode. Oh, and just so you know, this podcast is rated R for really filthy. It includes adult themes and explicit content, so if you're an adult, buckle up, gird your loins, and prepare to flood the basement, because we are going down with these ships. Hi, guys. Uh, I absolutely love the podcast so far. Uh, you guys took me from the very beginning with your conversation about how Wolfstar has always felt very canonical, and I could not agree more. It's it's such a compelling, complicated love story, and it's just my favorite chip to read. I assume you guys are going to have a Wolfstar episode at some point in the future, and I just wanted to implore you to read Pot Kettle Black, by the Divine Comedian. It's only 8,000 words, but it's just such a great piece of fiction. I, I really, truly think that this author could write professional fiction if she wanted to. It's just really creative and clever how this fic is structured, and you'll see what I mean when you read it. The story itself is mostly about Sirius, about his demons and his relationship with Remus and his complicated relationship with his brother to Regulus. It's just, it's it's poignant, it's funny, and it's really moving. Uh, it's easily one of my favorite pieces of fan fiction, and uh, I hope you guys read it. I'd love to hear what you think. Thank you so much for contacting us and calling in and for that voicemail. Um, it's really great to finally be hearing from you guys. Uh, so Nathan and I gave uh, that fic a read, and from my point of view, I was not anticipating how, I mean, how, I mean, I love, I love trauma, obviously. <laughs> we talk about that a lot. Um, just how heavy it was, and it really gets into um, Sirius specifically, not just like the relationship between him and Remus and the trauma that follows him from his childhood and what he carries with him from his day-to-day -day life. Um, I thought the use of the horror questions was really interesting, like a mental health screening was... Um, I can't say that I know whether he didn't get, I, I don't know, maybe if, if you guys read this thing and you can probably clarify <laughs> for me, or um, I don't think he became an Auror, he just kept doing stuff for the Order, I believe, um, but yeah, to see the vulnerability of Sirius and even Remus and the life that he has to lead. And then, of course, when we get closer to the end, we have Sirius and Regulus. And that final scene to kind of like avoid, you know, spoiling things was just really um, intense. And of course, is sad, but also, uh, yeah, I was when it was over, I was like, this is it. This is the end. I need to understand more. Like this, this can't be everything. Um, but yeah, so that was a journey for sure. So <laughs> thank you so much for, uh, sharing that with us and yeah, keep contacting us, keep telling us your recommendations. We want to read what you like and find out more about them. So thank you so much for calling. Let's start a shipping war, don't care if I get hate, don't 
Welcome to Care of Magical Shippers. It's a Harry Potter ship culture podcast. Yes, it is. I'm Nathan. And I'm Megs. And today we're going to be talking more Wolfstar. I'm Wolf very excited. Star. Yes, very exciting. Because this is your, yeah, this is your OTP. Yeah, I mean, this is, well, I, I, I hesitate to call it my OTP because there are so many that yes. I love. And, you know, as we, as we keep doing the pod, I'll keep finding more that I'm like, okay, yes, I, I'm, I'm sold. But I feel like this is a, this is a byproduct of reading your fix where I start with a trope that I'm like, this is completely cursed. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of it, I'm just like, Oh crap, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's yeah. say probably an original like an original one. Like you love it. You still you still love yeah. it. You started yeah. There. I started I started loving it. I'm still there because, you know, I came away from book three, as I've already discussed, with uh feelings that Sirius and Remus should be together because there was so much tension between them. Mm-hmm. And that and the you know, and I can't be the only person in the world that thinks that, obviously. Obviously you're not. So- <laughs> <laughs> because it's such a a popular ship, mm-hmm. but I'm but I'm so excited to talk about it in detail with you, mm-hmm. um, because this is the first time I think that the roles have reversed, where it's like yes. we're talking about a ship that is is not your OTP but is mine, and this mm-hmm. is going to be a really weird experience. <laughs> you're, because, you're welcome. <laughs> Because normally you're like, oh my god, Draco, oh my god, Snape, oh my god, <laughs> Oh my god, Tom. <laughs> yeah. UST, no, yes. Well, we both love that. Enemies to lovers. <laughs> yes. 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 I mean, we end up we we mostly end up agreeing anyway, so I don't know what I think my problem is. No, exactly. <laughs> don't, don't blame this on me. Don't put. You're the one asking me questions in regards to things I love. So. <laughs> so talking about the things we love this yes. week. Okay, so we've obviously obviously just finished uh, talking to the amazing big black dog mm-hmm. about her writing, but I feel like we we just needed an extra episode to maybe talk about. Some of the things we we didn't touch on mm-hmm. uh, in our last one. Um, so, with that in mind, let's talk about who do you want to talk about first, Sirius or Remus? Uh, let's ooh 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 ooh, <laughs> ooh. Um, Sirius. <laughs> Just okay. was like I okay. was like, which one? Which one? Pick one. Serious. Let's start with serious. So, do we want to talk about his origins first, yeah. and then go up through Azkaban? Because, because any discussion of Sirius has to be set against his growing up in Grimmauld Place, For his sure. problematic legacy with the Black family. Mm-hmm. You know, his massive uh, complex that grew out of having been an heir to this incredibly dark, pure blood family that had a really um, a vested interest in if not a vested interest in the ideals of that Tom Riddle would come to espouse, mm-hmm. then certainly a really dark, really, you know, I think the family motto was like toujours pur, or is was that was that Malfoy's? I have no idea. So, so uh, this is so, my turn to nod along. <laughs> <laughs> So I so I'm thinking specifically about the scene where Harry in and Sirius are in Grimmauld Place in book five, and mm-hmm. they're looking at his sort of family tapestry. Yes. Um, where his mother had like blasted a load of holes in the parchment to get rid of you know unsavory characters that didn't uphold the family values, mm-hmm. and I feel like 
underneath the black crest, there's a family motto. And I think if my memory holds, the motto is toujours pur, which is obviously French for always pure. Oh, and obviously. So serious, so serious <laughs> was, um, it was all, always going to come into conflict with that right. ideology. And it was only a matter of time before his hot-headed temperament was going to fly in the face of, you know, years of family tradition and a really, at best, problematic legacy. Mm-hmm. So I know you have a lot of thoughts about Regulus. Right. And we'll, maybe, we'll maybe get onto that later. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like you can't really talk about Sirius because the, t- the temptation would be to almost look at him as an only child, right? Yeah. Because we, we've seen Sirius, we know him, we've been exposed to, to what he's like. But also, he was, he's not only been growing up in response to a lot of pressure from his parents, but also from his younger sibling, mm-hmm. who really wants to do his best, what he thinks is his best, by his family. Mm-hmm. So Sirius is the sort of the odd one out, the sore thumb that sticks up. And I and I feel like, so from day one, he has this rebel image mm-hmm. of, you know, being the one that doesn't fit the mold, that isn't going to go along to get along. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if this is why, despite everything else that may or may not have happened to the character, that people really warm to him. Because they know what it's like to grow up in adversarial conditions. Mm-hmm. Let's call it that. Yeah. <laughs> I can yeah. pretend that I'm, I know what I'm saying. Um, no, no, that's um, very true. Um, I feel with with him that, you know, I, I get a lot of warmth from him whenever he starts talking about being able to break away from that and go and live with the Potters mm-hmm. because then it gives him more of the breathing room to be the sort of the Gryffindor that he was meant to be. He's essentially around his own kin. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a real sense of, I mean, I relate to that a lot where, you know, you don't necessarily grow up around people who resonate with you the best yeah and when you when you get a chance to go out and explore and find your you know find people that resonate with you that you maybe weren't expecting to mm-hmm. it's such a it's a liberating time and I I feel like because Sirius we associate Sirius a lot of the time with like the incarceration that he faced in Azkaban but of course he was imprisoned in a different way in his childhood home mm-hmm. as well. So poor Sirius has had a lot of time behind bars, either literally or figuratively. Mm-hmm. And I think that sense of claustrophobia, that sense of feeling trapped in your own life is something that I can definitely relate to. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of listeners can as well. And I think that's character wise, personally, why he stuck out to me. And um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we all can, a lot of us can see that family isn't always blood, you know? We find our family in other places and Sirius definitely does that. Uh, Something that I am curious about, you know, getting into, obviously he's the rebel, he breaks away from his family, he wants to be different. As far as we know, he doesn't follow their values. 
I don't know if it's, I'm curious if he started still with the kind of pure blood point of view, just having grown up in it and when that changed, you know, because you think of like an 11 year old of like, are, is, are you, are they all of a sudden aware that like, oh, pure blooded mentality is wrong. I mean, James, his best friend is a pure blood. So it's not like, I'm just wondering what other than just being a little shit that wants to, you know, just break away from his family. Like, was he fighting with the sorting hat? Kind of like how the sorting hat wanted to put Harry and Slytherin. Yeah. Was he like, oh yeah, black, you're gonna, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I don't want to be in Slytherin. I want nothing to do with that. Like my parents suck. Like I don't, you know, I just, yeah. I could see him wanting to make that choice. Like him, just like Dumbledore has said, like it's our choices, not, you know, that become who we are. So I feel like he would have made that choice. And then being in Gryffindor, being exposed to either it be James or befriending Remus and seeing his point of view of where, where he came from, his ailment with being a werewolf and how how people are treated when they are different. I think that that helps all of the marauders grow. I don't think they started as 11 thinking that pure blood is meant, you know, is bad. So that's just kind of my thoughts there. I could see an 11-year-old Sirius just being like, you know, would, do we know what age it is that he actually leaves home? Um, I feel like it is mentioned, but I don't know offhand. I feel like it's either 15 or 16. Yeah. I mean, it, so he's going home, you know, on, on breaks as far as we know. I mean, obviously he's probably yeah. spending a lot of time at the, you know, with James and his family or whoever but yeah I just think it's interesting to see him at a younger age it's not like you know it's not like the marauders were the marauders weren't what we see like the order of the phoenix in the lightning era like with Harry and being like pure bloodism yeah. is, is stupid it's wrong wizards are wizards and all of that but um, it goes it's like anything you go back in time thought processes are different the way we see the world is different the things we say are different that today would be very problematic or hurtful yeah absolutely so we just can we can understand that but yeah with Sirius I just I love that the fact that he is the rebel is what makes him very like endearing to me like it makes him like feisty and fun and of course we talk about like his attractiveness and we of course we did the Tamari episode and I'm curious <laughs> so I'm really curious about him how much Sirius knows how attractive he is and how he uses it to his advantage because often we like read him as potentially if it's not wolf star you know that back in school like kind of a ladies man or just kind of a yeah. fuck boy going yeah. around doing you know doing his absolutely. thing no he absolutely yeah is. so he's just like a peacock flaunting, flaunting around winking at everybody and so i just i what i love when it comes to the idea i haven't read a lot but when i take the time to stop and think about wolf star is serious being super confident and behaving in such a way and remus kind of like being quiet and afraid to like share his feelings for Sirius and maybe Sirius is like navigating around not accepting the fact that he might be gay or bi or something other than what people perceive to be the normal yeah and then once they're able to come together I just think they as characters Remus can help him you know <laughs> help Sirius chill out and then Sirius helps Remus break out of his shell so I think that they complement each other so well in that regard yeah yeah, I know I couldn't agree more, but I sort of feel like going back to 
your first point about seeing him at a younger age being confronted with different values when he's at school age mm-hmm. and he's being sorted and whether he's not whether or not he's a hat stall. I I think it's really interesting because you don't necessarily know what the sorting hat's perspective is. Mm-hmm. Like, does the sorting hat sort students based on who they are as people when they're 11? Or does it sort based on potential yes. and the probability that they'll evolve into certain kinds of people? Because it would be really interesting to think that the sorting hat is able to sort of use its laser of focus or whatever it does mm-hmm. to 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 you know pry into Sirius's mind and go okay well he's he currently espouses this set of values that isn't very you know what we would call progressive mm-hmm. but he has the potential to grow into a certain version of himself and therefore you know it'll be sorted into Gryffindor you know right. um, or is it that those values are innate to him and they've just been repressed because of the environment that he's grown up in. These are the sorts of questions that keep me up at night. And listeners, if you have an opinion on this, please get in touch and let me know what you think because your opinion is important to me and I need to know what you know because... As a Ravenclaw, knowledge is everything. Give me, <laughs> give me your opinions. I need them. Thank you. It's um, yeah. It's yeah. funny because I mean, we talk continuing the Sorting Hat thing. Like when Harry is sorted, and he's obviously you know has that hat stall. The Sorting Hat talks about the potential, right? Like he's like, oh, you don't want to yeah. be in Slytherin. Like Slytherin obviously is going to help you be your best self. And Harry doesn't want that. And he's like, okay, I guess, you know, sure, fine, Gryffindor. But then there's someone like Draco who sits down, it barely even touches his head. And he's like, oh, yeah, Slytherin. Well, then you could see potentially, depending on how we see Draco, redemption arcs, whatnot, that wouldn't necessarily be an opportunity to see potential, if you think about it, like depending on who Draco becomes. So that's, I don't know. Like, I just... So then, because if Sirius was a black, he could have been an instance, you would think that the hat could just be like, oh, yeah, you're a Slytherin. Your whole family has been Slytherin. So I just, I want to know that conversation. Like, what happened between Sirius and the hat that made him move toward the Gryffindor route? Or if it literally was just instantly Gryffindor that was like, oh, I can see the change in you, you, the change that's coming. Yeah, no, that's really, really interesting. So in my head canon about the hat, the reason it makes certain decisions really quickly and it takes a while over others is if there's a disagreement between the hat's verdict and the person being sorted. Mm -hmm. So... Um, the reason it takes longer with Harry is because, you know, he doesn't want to be in Slytherin and so there's this this back and forth. Mm-hmm. But the, I think the reason it, it just instantly sorted Draco into Slytherin is because Draco had the preconceived idea that he wanted to be sorted into Slytherin and the sorting hat was like, okay, you're going to be in Slytherin. Yeah, he sat down and he's like, yeah, I'm going to be in Slytherin, duh. So then he's just like, okay, here's Slytherin. And where? <laughs> and then Sirius sits down and he's just like, oh, my, my better not fucking be in Slytherin. <laughs> Slytherin and the hat's like, okay, yeah. I guess we gotta think about this. Although now I'm curious. Yeah. Now it's like, so obviously people like harp on Slytherin. I mean, I'm a Slytherin and 
obviously there are positive qualities of being a Slytherin. So it's interesting. (laughs) It's interesting to see two instances where the hat went, someone potentially should have, could have been in Slytherin, but then was put in Gryffindor. Like, where is that overlap between, where's that line between Slytherin and Gryffindor? When is that shift? Like, why wasn't it like, oh, you're not going to be in Slytherin, you'll be a Hufflepuff because you're some kind of way or it's just we see two instances where that happens which I think is really interesting and I don't know if that I mean you could also go back to the founders and seeing like oh what was the relationship between Godric and Salazar like who as far as like how things mend together um, they put the brains in the hat so I'd imagine their personalities would go in as well if you think about it so if they were like I think they were the you know as far as the four were friends but they were among the closest I mean if it's I understand correctly and obviously the rift was really big between them and that's why he left so yeah I don't know oh this is, this is sorting hat lore. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I hadn't intended for it to be no. a massive like sorting hat discussion, <laughs> but I, but I definitely, I feel like it's important and relevant to the mm-hmm. discussion generally. Because when we got on to Remus, I have feelings about oh, his yeah. sorting as well. But okay, so, um, so yeah, I definitely feel like uh, Gryffindor and Slytherin coloured the hut's perception. Um, a little bit, but I feel broadly that ultimately it's a bit reductive to reduce children to like, okay, you fit into one of these four archetypes. When broadly speaking, you know, we're all Hogwarts mm-hmm. students here. Um, you know, we, we're, we're all magical and we all belong in this school, regardless of where you fit on the spectrum in mm-hmm. and in what house. So the point is, is that you're, the, the point that doesn't get emphasised enough is that everybody has capacity and everybody is brilliant regardless of where they end up but it's just it is interesting particularly when we look at Sirius because of when we look at the potential biases that he's had Mm -hmm. to grow up through and the 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 sort of the law that he's coming from um and you know maybe you don't know how entrenched your own upbringing is until you're confronted with a different way to be so I'm fascinated by that with Sirius and I think it's something that he in struggling against what he grew up with it, it's what fuels his rebellious identity because it gives him a wall to throw his I was going to say his creative balls against that's not it's a, <laughs> I I it, it it allows him to uh no I can't I can't think of an analogy. Um he it really he allows himself to question that rigid modality of you know that pure blood upbringing. Anyway, um yeah. So in relation to that, my question is <laughs> What do you think was like that made that shift in Sirius? Like, when do you think, what do you think affected him to the point that he realized either don't like my family, don't want to be like my family? Because obviously it was, you know, we're looking at 11 is the first time we see the the actual split. What do you think his life was like before that that would have really changed things? So what do I think his life was like before Hogwarts or? 
Yes. Yeah. Like when he would like when what made him want to take a different path, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think I don't think he will have been aware of it really until Mm -hmm. he arrived at Hogwarts, until he's in much the same. I see him as a in running in parallel with Harry here, where he isn't aware. Harry isn't even aware that he's a wizard. Right. But he Mm -hmm. uh, then he meets Hagrid and he goes off and, you know, goes to uh, platform and three quarters, diagonally, mm-hmm. and his whole world opens up. And I sort of feel like the same happens with Sirius, but whereas with Harry, his world is literally opening up, for Sirius, mm-hmm. it's more of a metaphorical, psychological expansion because he's literally seeing different avenues of self-expression, of potentially uh, caring about others that isn't based off of blood status or uh, you know, hierarchical pedigree, or whether or not you're mm-hmm. uh, you're higher up, high enough up the sort of the wizarding genealogy family tree, because mm-hmm. you know an awful lot of importance in his childhood must have been placed on blood status and uh, you know that sort of that very uh, upper class mentality of keeping the bloodline pure, you know. Mm-hmm. And I sort of feel like he won't have had a reason to rail against that until coming to Hogwarts and seeing how other how other families live mm-hmm. how you know the, you know how uh Harry says one of uh, my best friends is muggleborn and she's the best witch in our year I feel like mm-hmm. uh, I feel like Sirius must have had moments similar to that where his right. where his mind is blown and he goes oh yeah, I I see now more of the person that I want to be. Because I feel like we, as with adult Sirius, we we don't necessarily see him as a fully grown person because of, you know, he spent 13 years in Azkaban. Right. He hasn't had a chance to develop. We still see in him this uh, awareness that he wants to be a good person and he wants to be this fully realised individual. He just hasn't grown into that yet. He always... Mm -hmm. His, his reach always exceeds his grasp. And I think that's one of his most admirable qualities. So then I'm curious when the point is, if like his if he was just like conflicting with his parents, like if he was just like a little jerk and his parents, they just didn't get along. Because you can only imagine the point when, when do you think, did they ever really disown him? Like did he, at, did they actually ever disown him until like after he left? Because he took it upon himself to leave. So I'm curious how, for how long they held held on to as much as they didn't like him, he was still their heir. And how much was Regulus being like, hey, hey, look at me. Like, I can be what he isn't. Like, see me, see me. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, uh, you have to remember that I think that household was certainly really matriarchal. Like everyone Mm -hmm. grew up under that mother's shadow and sort of what she said went, what she said was law. So I Mm -hmm. sort of feel like as their relationship strained, um, so too was the possibility that they, that I absolutely think he was completely disowned. I mean, I think, I think. Well, he was, he was eventually burned off the family tree, obviously. Oh, didn't he say like when he ran away, then she like, yeah. yeah. 
yeah, she yeah. burned it off, I think, essentially was what happened. So I think that was the final straw. Oh, yeah, but I think what would have happened is, in my head anyway, she would have given him an ultimatum to be like, mm-hmm. book up your ideas or get out. And then mm-hmm. uh, and then I feel like he chose the, the latter option. And in yeah. his retelling of the story, he chose to run away and that's why he was burnt off the, the chart. But I absolutely mm-hmm. think that she was enough of a, a sort of a domineering personality to be, you know, it's either my way or the highway. And uh, Sirius chose that moment to get on his motorcycle and yeah. venture forth to freedom. Yep, and left. Yep, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And then, of course, like, then obviously, you know, some people will ship like Starbucks, like James and Sirius. Yeah. Like, I can also see that too. But in the instance of Wolfstar, people can see, like, oh, he left to live with James and they're like brothers. Like, he's his brother. Yeah. Um, it's the family he didn't know he had. The the Potters are the parents he didn't really have. Uh, so, going to school, um, as far as we know, people speculate maybe Frank Long- Longbottom was like a fifth, you know, Gryffindor boy in their year. But as far as we know we don't have any proof of it it was potentially just the four of them you know i mean even in harry's year there was what five of them so even though it seems like a ridiculously small number of people in regards to everyone that you know the potential number of wizards that are in the uk or whatever it seems really silly so of course you you just know if you know if their characters are going to be anything but straight like Sirius and james are have that brotherly bond they love each other but they're brothers and then peter is kind of like that awkward one that I'm sure they're just like, yeah, he's a friend. I would never really see him as anything more than just the goofy little friend. And yeah, I just, we've see, talked about previously. Oh, so go, go ahead. No, sorry. Just just as a brief little aside <laughs> to what you said, I can absolutely uh-huh. see Peter feeling jilted. And that's what sets him down the road of of, you know, choosing the other side. I can absolutely see him feeling bitter because he's not involved in their in their relationship. And I, you know, in my head canon, that is, you know, that's part of what happens is because mm-hmm. obviously whether or not you believe anything physical happened between any of the Marauders, they were all right. really, <laughs> really close. And I sort of mm-hmm. feel like because Peter spent, you know, years living under their shadows, respectively, and he was just sort of the butt of their jokes. I can see Mm -hmm. why he would feel really left out and marginalised and why that would turn toxic. And I think actually it's a really good, there's a really good moral lesson in that to be, to, you know, uphold your, uphold your friendship groups. Like Mm -hmm. make sure you're there for for those people, even for whom you aren't as close with because you, because, you know, feeling left out, feeling left behind can, Mm-hmm. let let these toxic feelings develop you know yeah and something that you know i just you saying that talking about it i could see him getting a little bit more affirmation from lily like eventually when james and lily come together we get the letter that we see that J- that um severus reads and then takes you know the the bit that has her name written on it and she's like oh you know, like we're like Peter seems a little bit off. Like obviously she can like see and has a closeness with him. Like maybe she's that friendly, um, motherly someone there to see him in a way that he felt like over time he wasn't seen as, but it wasn't enough to save him, if that makes sense. Like yeah. his friends, he was the the extra one. Like he was there, he was part of it because it was the four of them and him not being a part of it would have literally been like malicious. If you think about it. Yeah. 
yeah. if they ignored Peter, he would be compl- it would be the three of them, and then Peter would be in the corner, and that would be shitty. I mean, so I could see Lily being that compassionate, understanding one. I could see her being the person to be like, no, I want Peter to feel included, and I want him to feel validated. Oh, so that's why I want yeah. that's why I want him to be secret keeper because I want him to know we trust him and we believe in him, even though in the end he wasn't the one. So because yeah. Sirius wanted to do it and Dumbledore even wanted to do it and it's I I feel like it would have been a Lily choice ultimately I feel like James would have picked Sirius like I feel like James would have you know I could see Lily being like hey you know this this little guy needs like he needs something he needs to feel like a part of this so right so I have a question for you um, because does do you think Lily choosing Peter was that a moment of weakness or was it a moment of understanding? Like where on the spectrum do you think that decision falls? Because ultimately, because she chooses Peter, we know bad mm-hmm. things happen, uh, and you know it, it was a mistake. But mm-hmm. do you think do you think it was it was the right mistake to make? Essentially, is is what I'm asking. I just I can understand it. Like I can see it from the aspect of of someone super compassionate and caring and seeing that someone is missing something and needs something and doing that for them. So if they had just been like, oh, he's acting weird or I, I, I don't think he took it about himself to be like, hey, I'll do it. Like, of course he wouldn't. Like that no. puts him a target on his back. So she probably, and I mean, of course, this is all headcanon speculation. So I could see her sitting him down and being like, hey, we want this for you and we really want this. And unfortunately, it went poorly as you say but I don't see it as a bad decision for the aspect of if things did end up differently I could see why Lily or why I would make that decision for a friend that needed confidence given to them if that makes sense if we can tell that their confidence is wavering or they feel like they don't aren't as important I want to validate that person so that's kind of how I see it that's a that's a fair choice but I don't know if my if my life was on the line um, and I knew that I was being, you know, hunted by the most evil dark wizard of all time. <laughs> I don't, I don't know that I would have the the courage, maybe is the word, to make a choice that didn't feel absolutely a hundred percent solid to me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I definitely, if the choice fell to me, I wouldn't have picked Peter because. I know there are other there are other people there in my corner that could have done a more a more sort of a stalwart job with that. Um, yeah, it's a tricky one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is a life or death thing, as you yeah. say. But I think of yeah, I mean, even with family and friends, even though you know that either a you could do a better job at something or someone else could do a better job than this person, you know that someone needs the opportunity to feel like they can do something, and so I think that that's. You you know, that's I mean, that's just kind of what I from the aspect of just that compassionate friends point of view, I could just see Lily having that strength and confidence and kind of overall. Um, I mean, she puts up with Severus's bullshit for a long time. Yeah. I mean, it finally reaches a point that she's like, you know what, I've made excuses for you for so long. So I feel like she sees the good in people until she's given a reason not to, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that she her confidence in anyone or I, I, I feel like 
like she would she's very loving very that's just you know not to go on like hey lily hey peter but yeah hey so that's a <laughs> that's a thing but um yeah it definitely like if if you know Sirius had been the person or yeah i i don't know it's just uh what happened happened that's <laughs> Unless we write it differently. Obviously, we can write fic and have it be yeah. different. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. But, but, but I sort of, I feel like part of the reason that whole choice happened in the first place was because mm-hmm. Sirius had a bit of a reputation as a hothead, as a flyboy, as someone mm-hmm. who was, who was well-meaning, but cavalier, who, uh, you know, who was, who was basically like well-meaning, but self-serving. You know what I mean? Yes. So I just remember part of the reason why they picked Peter because they knew he was going to be the least expected. Like if someone was going to go searching for the person who was going to know where they were, they would go to Dumbledore. They would have gone to Sirius. Like they, he was going to be the one that no one would think of. Unfortunately, I don't know the instance that he happened upon a Death Eater or Voldemort himself that he instantly broke. Like it was just like, yeah, it's me. Ah, like, you know, I just, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but right. But my problem with, and I, I understand the reasoning behind that. But my my problem with that is that you would obviously just pick Dumbledore because he's the most yeah. powerful wizard on yes. the planet. He's the only one that Dumbledore of the only one that Voldemort ever feared. And like Yeah, Voldemort's not gonna be showing up at Hogwarts. Yeah, exactly. No, no, that there they would have been in no danger if if Dumbledore had just done it. And so I I yeah, I maybe <gasps> this is just the Ravenclaw in me being like, that was a completely illogical decision. Yeah, it was illogical. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, that was, um, it was a very, I don't know. Yeah, it yeah. was what it was. Um, but but I, yeah, but yeah, I I think at least part of the decision comes down to the characterization of Sirius being what it is, and so mm-hmm. part of what makes Sirius so great is his sort of cavalier attitude. But that's also mm-hmm. a chief weakness in his mm-hmm. personality, as we know, because later, once Harry's reunited with him, then in the battle in the Ministry of Magic, his sort of gung ho attitude gets him put square in the in the you know hit in the chest with a killing curse so mm-hmm. it you know it it's we we see it a lot with him where it's like his best qualities are also what is so problematic about him and i feel mm-hmm. like this this is why wolfstar works so well because like you say remus can smooth a lot of his uh rougher yeah. edges and mm-hmm. and they both they both sort of work well for each other. But I don't know. Should we talk a little bit about Remus before we talk yeah, about them yeah. as a as a couple? Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. Have you read the on Pottermore? There's a whole origin story for Lupin. Have you come across no. it? Oh, I yeah, I I will be honest and say that I never really got into Pottermore. Just I I don't know. Yeah. I just felt like it was kind of like, oh, here's some extra stuff and then you had to start paying for it and I was like, <laughs> nah, 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 you know. I just yeah. it just was not for me, but I know that there are things on there that are probably really cool to add to, but instead I'm like, I'll go to f- fan fiction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, now I absolutely agree with you, but where this... But so where... now, <laughs> d- no, please tell me. <laughs> so 
Um, what, so where this fascination started with me was with this Pottermore article where it talks about his father being a ministry employee that ticked off this werewolf that then the werewolf bit Remus in revenge when he was uh, five. And that's mm-hmm. how the whole thing evolved. Now, I know that there are some people that are just going to say that Pottermore is ostensibly fan fiction that's just written yeah. by JKR to add to yeah. the universe. And that point is entirely valid. You know, it's not, I'm not trying to say that this is established canon, but I think mm-hmm. it's really like I will say that two of the articles I enjoyed most if you want to go check them out I think they're still free to read um I'm not sure but two of the articles I enjoyed most on Pottermore were the uh, Remus Lupin origin one and the Minerva McGonagall origin one which we may or may not get Ooh. into at some point but yeah but yeah so go and check those out if you haven't read them already but there's no there's no onus on you to accept them as canon but anyway mm-hmm. so that colored a lot of my uh, imagination of where Remus comes in um, as a kid uh, being sorted into Gryffindor. Obviously, he's had this uh, affliction to deal with since he was five. So he's already Mm -hmm. been struggling with it for six years by the time he comes to Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so I can only imagine what it must be like to already be different, but then to be dealing with this sort of dark secret that it becomes that, you know, you mustn't reveal it to anyone else or you'll be ostracized, you know, you'll be a, a pariah. Uh, and for a kid to deal with that, you you know, you already need a hell of a lot of courage. So I can easily see mm-hmm. him being sorted into Gryffindor, but he's not, he doesn't jump out at me as being Gryffindor. Like to me, yeah. he's he's a Ravenclaw for sure. Yeah, but I'm, of course I'm going to say that because of house bias, but, yes. but like I feel an affinity with him because he has to keep an awful lot. Uh, like he has to be a aware of an awful lot and he has to be mm-hmm. sort of hyper aware even at that young age so he has all of this to deal with and then he's coming into this house with a load of you know really brash Gryffindors who mm-hmm. who want to get to know him and want the best for him but also at that time don't know his story don't know right. what he's been through um, and I love the idea of that fic where they all eventually get to know what's going on with him because i imagine mm. that in the early years especially he'll he'll have had to be really guarded he'll have been doing the equivalent of what hermione had to do with the time turner in book three where yes. ron makes all of these quips of like where did she come from and, right you know right. And oh, i've been here all the time exactly yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah and i love <laughs> i don't know i love the potential for comedy and whimsy and farce in that mm-hmm. but obviously it's also rooted in these really deep serious concerns Now, I also, like, we can't talk about Remus as well without talking about depictions of potentially disability, but but Mm -hmm. not necessarily just that. I mean, JKR has talked about how she saw the sort of the werewolf stigma as analogous to the, the stigma going to be attached to people with like HIV AIDS and how that mm, was mm-hmm. perceived, which is interesting, uh, but it also ends up being a bit one dimensional. And I feel like yeah. she could have she could have done more with that if she'd really wanted to push the boat out. But I feel like we get a very limited exploration of that. But it, mm-hmm. it's still an interesting angle to consider it from. I just love that this very um, tortured oddball misfit can be sorted 
into Gryffindor and be such an unlikely compatriot of this, mm-hmm. like, ostensibly, like, James and Sirius are really, like, lively, exuberant, mm-hmm. enigmatic, you know, always on people. Yes. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and I, and part of why I love Wolfstar is I love the idea that these two very different people grow towards each other and grow to appreciate mm-hmm. each other's very, very different personalities as mm-hmm. strengths for each other. Mm-hmm. And of course, like you think back to when in the third book and obviously Lupin is given the potion from Snape and we realize yeah. that it's like a recent discovery like it's a recent thing yeah so when he's back in school obviously they put in the whomping willow they have the shrieking shack and so he is put in the shrieking shack where he transforms and he is a full-fledged werewolf and he's biting himself and scratching himself and doing all these things since he's five years old he most likely once a month was locked up in some room you know what i mean like just like he there was no way to treat it there was no way to make it better so he's coming to school like as far as we know covered in scratches covered in scars and the questions and the looks and that he could be getting by other kids um and i could see Sirius being like hey like what's that from what's that from like just like yeah. no filter just being like what's that and then Remus oh, absolutely is like either no like, tact. like pulling no t- back into yeah no tact whatsoever like oh what's that what's that or whatever and i don't feel like i don't know how who would have that genuine concern of where they came from aside from him disappearing and then being like huh what's going on and then seeing that he went to you know whatever how they figured out but that to me is that's a physical telltale of his trauma that doesn't go away it's it's always there so that's I mean, goodness, to th- uh, like if you have no idea where it came from, you're just like, oh shit, did he get that at home? Was he attacked? Yeah. Was he, you know, and, and more, more come every month. He could potentially have more scars. Exactly. And, and obviously there are very, the, the- I just, good Lord, he's a freaking like, he's just been shredded to pieces. Exactly. And, and you know, there are very real parallels here to, mm-hmm. to self-harm as well. Yes. And mm-hmm. you know, and the, the, the consequences. And the avoidance of it. The avoidance yeah. of it. Of seeing it, but not saying anything or doing anything about it. Exactly. Which is why and I'm really glad that you brought me on to this. Yeah. I love that the that the Marauders all ostensibly study to be animagi so that, yeah. that when they eventually figure out, okay, once a month he's going to do this, they mm-hmm. figure out a way to transform to make that less painful for him. And I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know that Dumbledore gets a lot of stick and you you know you'll hear a lot of right. Dumble Dumble bashing from me because a lot of the decisions that he makes uh, throughout his tenure at Hogwarts are really questionable. But one of the mm-hmm. things, one of the decisions that he made that I will absolutely defend 100% is Lupin wanted to come to Hogwarts and all anybody else could conceive of were roadblocks. And he said, no, Lupin is entitled to be here. Mm-hmm. He's a wizard as much as anybody else. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's figure out a way to make it possible for him. Yeah. And so yeah. and so he did that. And that is a Dumbledore decision that I will always appreciate. Yes. And, yeah. and from Twice. Yeah. Twice yes. when he was a kid and as a teacher. Ex- yeah. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like that the seeds of that decision and the seeds of that idea um allow was what allowed the marauders to be like, we'll we'll learn to be on a magi to mm-hmm. um 
to you know to help him cope and help him through his his awkward you know transformation stage mm-hmm. where it could have been really painful he could have had to go through it just by himself but instead right. it ends up being really a time for the, the whole group to get to know each other better as people you know it, mm-hmm. a time that could have been really painful and isolating is actually used as one of their greatest strengths and it allows the group to be even closer so mm-hmm. i think that that's uh one of the reasons i i just one of the reasons i love the marauders era but also yeah. why i end up shipping wolfstar so hard because yeah. you know you get the emotional significance of that decision mm-hmm. and you get the symbolism of the fact that sirius becomes essentially a wolf-like animal and then we have yes. remus who is a werewolf so when they both transform they are within the same you know ish breed family of one another because then you have james who's a stag obviously peter is a rat like two completely can't even relate them to like you could see them as prey in comparison to predators so the Mm -hmm. two of them have that bonding element and even in their animal forms like obviously it has been said that when he drinks the wolf's bane he's he keeps his head like he keeps his mind he knows who he is he's just in pain like it sucks but he's still himself but without it he's the animal so imagine the bond of two of two of those animals so similar building outside of that humanity aspect like with the animagi you would imagine that sirius still has his head and the and james and peter do so then how does you know how do those guys and especially sirius navigate finding that i guess harmony with a a wild creature and being able to like I guess like calm it down <laughs> words what are words yeah I I I absolutely find that fascinating and I think you hit the nail on the head when you said the animagi keep their heads because that's proven from Philosopher's Stone when we get snapshots of McGonagall in cat form on the wall yes. and she's observing mm-hmm. the Dursleys and she's yeah. fully able to still have her human observations of these people as the yes. worst sort of muggles imaginable you know, <laughs> know but but she's but you know she's she's still you know she's able to um still form those opinions and mm-hmm. so it must it forces Sirius in a way to develop an empathy for a side yes. of Remus that has no cover it can't be yeah. concealed it's just absolutely primal baseline raw emotion and rage and you know and whatever else it's just he's just fueled by instinct in that time mm-hmm. and when so when that when you have that degree of vulnerability being met with that degree of with a degree of compassion necessary to go i'm going to transform into a dog purely to make this experience easier for you you mm-hmm. cannot but help develop a, son, a strong sense of emotional maturity and i feel like this is something that really grounds Sirius's wilder side. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I realized I had read, um, of course, we talked to Big Black Dog, and I completely forgot to bring this up as one of the fics that, uh, that she wrote was a body swap fic where Sirius and Remus switch bodies. Like there's a potions accident and they swap bodies. So then both of them, even though they're still kind of themselves, they think and feel and experience things as that person. So even though Remus is serious, he can still realize he's making decisions because of 
of Sirius's personality. And then Remus is also terrified for Sirius because they're getting close to the full moon. So then he would have to transform and them being able, him having to help him through that is just like that was that was intense so it's like it's that literal experiencing one another one another's experiences and being in one another's shoes that i had never really read body swap and i just the fact that of the werewolf bit of it was really big for me i'm like oh gosh like someone else is completely going to understand what he went through and then when they figure out and come back together their relation it was like a pre-existing wolf star obviously relationship but then after that obviously their bond was that much deeper because he 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 lived and experienced the pain and what remus went through every month yeah right so it, it's that thing of you know don't judge someone until you've walked a mile in their shoes and you know Yes. being able to add the magical element to that and do it literally really mm-hmm. means that you can that there's no there's no artifice there's no hiding behind anything everything is exposed so in a way it levels out their experiences you know because mm-hmm. there's there's nothing they need to conceal from the other and that's a really right. liberating thought isn't it yeah there's no there's nothing about yourself about who you are that you need to keep from somebody else else and to mm-hmm. be able to be that honest with someone um and that open especially when remus has had to live with so much concealment for all of his life and as we talked about you know sirius has had to deal with feeling confined forever um right uh, you know it, it must be so liberating for them both yeah oh gosh absolutely oh oh i just oh i love thinking of them in this like in the Marauders area. I mean, we keep, we keep sitting on that. But something that we did bring up in the previous episode when we talked to Big Black Dog that I really like to think about is getting back into more trauma is after James and Lily died. And everyone that knew, as we talked about, that everyone that knew and accepted Remus for who he was is gone. Yeah. Aside from, like, as I think you had mentioned, Dumbledore would have been the only person, aside from his parents, which who we would assume were gone by now, uh, he was left with a blank slate again. Like, he had no one. Uh, and so how that must feel to almost, like, regress into 10-year-old, 11-year-old Remus of going back to the beginning of being without that support or understanding and all of a sudden the big bad world is out to get him and not having that like not having someone there to be there for him is just I can't even imagine it I can't imagine it I mean people lose people a lot of people were sad when James and Lily died obviously Harry lost parents but for him he lost so much more than just friends he lost like a big piece of himself that was out there that all of a sudden is is gone like it's it's in him again and it's gonna take a while for him to pull it out I mean He doesn't even, Harry doesn't even know. It's Hermione that figures it out way back when. The only way that Harry finds out is when the transformation happens. So it's yes. just, yeah. he doesn't even trust Harry with that information. He tells no one. And I just, I can't imagine, that's 13 years is so fucking long to know that I just, oh God, that's just so bad. Oh, it's so bad. But I feel like part of the reason, so part of the reason he doesn't trust Harry with the information I think is just because mm-hmm. Harry's totally oblivious. Like yeah. there are there are he plenty. Is 13 or what? 
<laughs> yeah, there are plenty of times during the, the book where it's like, where Snape is like, this week we'll be studying werewolves. I know, and yeah, and Hermione's like, the only one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I was just like, this could not be more obvious if Snape right. had come in, you know, twirling his cloak, you know, yes. being like, ha ha ha, your teacher's <laughs> unwell this week. Right. <laughs> Is Professor Lupin afraid of crystal balls? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so oh, man. part of it... Part of it must be that he's oblivious. But then I also think yeah. part of the reason he doesn't share this with Harry is that uh, Harry looks an awful lot like James and has his mother's eyes. So mm-hmm. he looks an awful lot like two of the people he's lost. So yes. in much the same way as Harry is a mirror for Snape, he's also a mirror for Lupin. Yes. And then on top of that, mm-hmm. uh, Lupin knows that Harry has already been through a load of crap with Voldemort. So yes. I think he must feel, oh, I don't want to add to his burden by telling him my troubles because Lupin has this, uh, you know, this inner tortured thing down to a T where he's like, if I share what I'm going through with anyone, I'm going to be, you know, offloading onto them. Okay, so I just thought of something. So yeah. of course, <laughs> so of course, you know, it's hard for them to get a DA, you know, Defense Against the Dark Arts yeah, teacher. Yeah. That's obvious. And so then, oh, they get Remus to come. I am curious if the reason why Dumbledore reached out to him was because by this time, Sirius Black has already been on the loose, like as the summer, like this has been a thing. If because Remus is the last person who knows Sirius, knows his behaviors, knows his possible choices or things that he might do, and if the assumption is he's out to get Harry, he's almost like a guardian. Like he was put in place to be someone to keep an eye on Harry and kind of be able to feel feel things out. And I I don't know, because I feel like it could have been anyone else, but Remus... Of course, you're going to introduce characters and write a kid's book where it's like, oh, of course, this guy is going to come into the story. And oh, surprise, he's friends with the family. Oh, surprise, he's also friends with the, you know, with the guy who's out to kill you. And oh, like all this like unfolding of things. But I could see that too. Like even though the whole like Dementor thing and he goes to Lupin and Lupin decides to help him and he doesn't go they spend some time together I I don't I feel like Lupin probably like hoped for that or once he had it it was kind of like a he like he said he's like oh come over and I have some butterbeer and Harry's like oh yeah I like it he's like what you've had this and so they hang out like they get along I feel like Dumbledore kind of maybe put that in Lupin's head to say hey with everything that's going on Harry doesn't doesn't know about you he doesn't know your history but know that you know just you're there for him if he needs it sort of thing so that's just yeah. an interesting thought <laughs> yeah and i also i you know i feel like this goes this fits with dumbledore's trajectory of maneuvering the people around harry to make them helpful but also mm-hmm. keep him oblivious like yes. i do an awful yes, yes, i yes. do an awful lot of harry bashing where it's like oh why isn't he putting two and two together but an awful mm-hmm. lot of this is dumbledore just going uh help him him, but in no way tell him why. Yes, you know? <laughs> or don't let him know you're helping him. Like in yeah. the case of Snape, the whole time, obviously, you know, we we just, yeah, it, there's all these things we didn't know he was doing because, yeah. of course, he's not going to come. Yeah, 
Yep, absolutely. Oh, Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I mean, it's not just Snape he's done it with either. I mean, look at Arabella yeah. Fig, who's been living opposite oh. him for, you know, oh, that poor X woman. amount of years. I know, mm-hmm. just literally there on sentry duty to report whatever back to Dumbledore. And how hard must it be to live as a squib in a yeah. world you know is part magical? I think right. that is that has to be one of the toughest psychological things to be like to have a foot in both worlds and mm-hmm. participate in neither that yeah. has to be really tough on her right because she couldn't leave she couldn't have a life she could i mean yeah yeah she i mean it was literally cat lady like she lives at home she has her cats and that's her life i mean it's just yes oh for sure. So I feel like an awful lot of this orchestration of the way Lupin is around Harry could have been different had it been instigated by somebody else. But regardless, yes. that that's what we got in book three. Um, mm-hmm. I... Uh, I do love that he comes back again in Order of the Phoenix, but then, of course, we get all the, the Tonks stuff, which, right. uh, you know, it, yeah. it, it complicates <laughs> my, my head, Callum. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then in book seven, it's, it's maybe the most problematic of all whenever he arrives at Grimmauld Place to uh, suggest to Harry that he Join joins them. them. Yeah. And they have that argument and he leaves in a in a huff. I, I really feel like JKR wasn't writing the same character. She wasn't writing Lupin that, that had been established. And it was the same. I it, agree 100%. Thank you. Because it's been a frustration of mine for years. I was just like, I'm finally airing this on this podcast. But, the, yeah. but that whole argument need not have taken place at all. Like, you know, right. he is, that. that is not behaving in the way that he has been portrayed all the way through these books and he's been quite consistent yes um, and i mean i know you know the the wizarding war has been a massive stressor on everybody so you could right. say okay well maybe he's acting this way out of desperation or to cling to the past but i think if anything his even his decision to sort of move on with tonks canonically has proven that they've talked and he's not clinging to the past he Mm -hmm. is very much committing to moving forward what else what other decision can having a baby with somebody prove you know right you don't do that lightly i mean unless you unless it's an accident you know (laughs) but well yes but he's regretted it ever since he married her i mean that whole thing he's like i shouldn't have married her and now that baby's gonna be a werewolf and blah blah blah, and all this stuff and it's like it's one thing for him to like hate himself or be hesitant like we went through that journey with him like yeah, yeah we we you went through that thing and you guys figured it out and now you're together and to kind of go it was such an extreme shift abs i completely follow you there like it's one thing for him to show up and be like hey i'm offering my services you know just because of who i am friend of your family i could be a support but not have that negative bit like you know like even it's just like yeah. oh what about tonks he's like ah, like i regret it i want to go off and like harry's like oh you want to just seek glory and leave your kid and whatever but really he's like oh i talked to tonks and we have a way of communicating or like you know like something something like that would make it yeah. so much better and yeah I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because 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 Lupin in my head would know what it feels like to love people 
that he's lost already. Like he, right. he's lost. He's lost at, at this stage. He's lost Sirius again because mm-hmm. he'd lost him already, and now he's lost him again. Uh, he's already lost James and Lily. He knows what it's like to invest and to lose. So I sort of feel like his decision wouldn't be motivated by wanting Mm-mm. to seek glory. It would be about wanting to defend what is yes. most important to him. Yes. You know, yes. this this is this decision is being arrived at because he wants to stand up for what he believes in, not mm-hmm. because he wants to throw it away. And the fact that that distinction or run away. Exactly. Yeah. And the fact mm-hmm. that the distinction is never made in the books really annoys me. It's one of the worst yes. things about <laughs> book 7. <laughs> oh, no, I agree. That that scene hurts me like every time. I'm just like, "Oh god, just the oh Ugh, like the way Harry behaves and has to behave because of the situation, which is justified. And also, oh man, Ugh, I'm Hermione in that instance. I was like, oh my yeah. God, Harry, my dude. Oh my God. Like, you're just like, oh God. <laughs> like, it's just, oof. yeah, that was rough. Yeah. That was rough. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I get that, you know, arguments have to happen and people yeah. are going to butt heads. But yeah. as long as the motivation, like regardless of what whatever else happens, as long as you're motivation is good everything else can stand from that however it needs to be but it's the fact that his motivation was supposedly you know yeah. oh i just want to rekindle some of my old former glory days you know right. it just did not it just does not sit right with me and i feel like yeah my family would be better off without me i'm like yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> no what? <laughs> like yeah like i know mm. i know remus has um has issues yeah. and and questions his self-worth but so does harry but if if you look at in book five harry has massive self-worth issues where he's like is voldemort possessing me am i slowly turning into voldemort you know no mm-hmm. one's talking to me what's happening his his whole identity is is thrown into crisis there mm-hmm. and he comes through it going i'm going to guard what's important to me because right. otherwise it will be exploited as a vulnerability against me by people working against me and i feel mm-hmm. like remus would come to a similar conclusion it's also if anyone was going to go out in a blaze of glory i would say that is a serious action yes and really i think a lot of harry's anger at remus in that scene is really anger at sirius that Mm -hmm. he can't put there anymore because sirius has already died yes Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Wow. Yeah, no, absolutely. <gasps> okay, now I'm curious. If Sirius had lived, how would he be handling Harry going off and doing this? Like, how do you think he would be navigating this? Oh, there is no way Sirius <laughs> would be letting Harry go off by himself yes. with, with Ron and Hermione. He would absolutely be glued to them. But there wouldn't yes. be any discussion. <laughs> there wouldn't be any right. discussion. He would just be, he'd be like, use my motorbike, fly wherever you need to right like like he would he would be listing every single resource at his disposal i mean if you think of if you think of the way sirius behaved in the at the start of book five whenever harry wants to be part of the order and sirius is like induct him now you know right right. yeah 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 you know, um, and there's that the really sweet argument between Molly Weasley and Sirius about who Harry belongs to. And yeah, it's so mm-hmm. it's so like that must have been really in a, in a strange way. It must have been really heartening for Harry to witness because he's never right. had such a 
a direct and obvious outpouring of love directed at him. And, mm-hmm. you know, they both have different intentions, but I, I that it's one of my favourite moments in the book because it's, it's such an obvious... They, they both have Harry's best interests at heart and they want him to be, you know, be as, as well looked after as possible. <gasps> it's such a, such a lovely moment. I just keep having these moments of like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Um, so, of course, s- let's say Sirius lived. He had to stay at Grimold Place because Dumbledore told him he, told him he had to, right? Yeah. So Dumbledore dies, you know, like in yes. the fo- following, following year. Harry has to go off gallivanting around to find Horcruxes. There is nothing keeping Sirius at home. No one could convince him to stay at home. And of course, having been stuck at home for so long, able to do nothing to help, he is just ready to throw himself out there in any way, shape, or form. And like you said, he would be 100% in Harry's corner. Like it would, he just, if this is the way to end things, I'm going to do my part and I love this kid and I'm going to be there for him. And that would definitely be, there's, there's just no way. I don't, there's, that's why he had to die, apparently, because there was no way that Harry, Ron, and Hermione could go off and do this thing without someone trying yeah. to come with them. So, yeah. yeah. And I sort of, you know, I see it from a broader storytelling point of view that it works more strongly if you get Harry to realise the dearth of his own abilities uh, and the, the breadth of, and the scope of his own strength if there's no one there to mm-hmm. lean on. But I also think it was a bit of a cop-out because I would have loved to have seen Harry and Sirius and Ron and Hermione all going off together mm-hmm. to to find these Horcruxes. I think it would have made for a more interesting storytelling segment, having mm-hmm. the four of them together. And of course, it does potentially remove the Ron jealousy element, but I was never a big yeah. fan of that segment anyway. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think one of the failings, one of the reasons why people keep bringing Sirius back from the dead in fanfic, and one mm-hmm. of the reasons why I think people you know, write so strongly about Wolfstar is that Sirius is the ride or die character. He's never half invested in anything. And mm-hmm. I think if you if you have an idea for a story, you know, obviously I love Wolfstar, but this could be applied to any context. Right. If you have if you have an idea for a, a story that you're like, I need absolute commitment from a character, Sirius mm-hmm. is who you go to. Right. And yeah, I, I just I love that about him. As I've said, you know, that is also what leads him into sticky situations mm-hmm. but it's it's also what is best about his um forthrightliness yes and as far as like a trope that gets kind of that canon divergent like after the third book so say that Obviously, Peter didn't get away. He was captured. He had his trial. He went to Azkaban. Everyone knows Sirius didn't do it. And then either if Lupin and him had a romantic relationship before, the navigating that forgiveness between, you know, Sirius and and Remus and being able to see that possibly in a domestic aspect versus Sirius going on the run, you know? Because it's like Sirius, I mean, Remus found out that that wasn't the case and then they were separated again, you know? like. Sirius was was gone and then he had told Harry like you can come you know stay with me so then the potential of after third year 
whether it's Grimmauld Place and Remus and him, or if Remus had somewhere that then the three of them start their lives together as a unit is a really like beautiful thing to look into and read about too. And just that vulnerability of the of the relationship and rekindling and trust and, and growth for Remus and Sirius having gone through their individual traumas. Because you know, Remus did in his own way over 13 years and obviously... Sirius did in his 13 years and what that would be like like either you know like going to bed with one another and like just laying you know laying on the pillows and they're just all of a sudden one of them just starts talking you know and the other one's listening and then vice versa and just I feel like both of them have that ability to be vulnerable and to listen and to understand and be extremely caring I just oh I just feel like they need each other to come out of this to heal like with without the other it's not nothing else happening is doing that i mean so remus finds tonks there's a lot of weird stuff going on with that sirius gets trapped in a house like he doesn't get to he i mean they are put on trajectories that isn't really doing them the best service but if they were getting through it together because of their history dealing with the fact that their life choices and their life experiences were because of the same event and then coming back afterwards oh i just they're just post book three, them togetherness and Harry and stuff is just, oh, it's just so nice. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think this is one of the reasons Wolfstar works so well is that you don't even need to ship it in a slush context. Yeah. Oh, you can yeah. just, you can just have it be platonic, but there's mm-hmm. a, there's a, an intimacy about their pairing, even if it's not slushy. And right. I don't think there's an awful lot of pairings you can apply that to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the reasons I love it so much is that whatever whatever context you find them in, there's always that room to explore and find out more about them. And because they fit so well together, that's always going to happen. That is, that's, you're always going to find out something you didn't mm-hmm. know about these this pairing. But I did, I just to, um, I mean, I know this week is is Wolf Star specific, but I did just want to, <laughs> I I did just want to give you an. an opportunity as well to talk about your regulus headcanon because i know ah, we we yes. had we, <laughs> we briefly talked about regulus earlier mm-hmm. on and what it must have been like for sirius to grow up in that but i know mm-hmm. that you have very specific regulus ideas yeah. and i was wondering how how they came about so gosh how they came about though i am not i am not quite sure when and how it happened but obviously when it comes to Regulus's character, we know very little about him. All we know through text or from Sirius is that he was the little perfect brother that tried to be what Sirius wasn't. You know, his mother like loved him, doted on him. He became, you know, he went into Slytherin and he was the perfect child. And obviously we see when we go into his bedroom that he has like uh, articles following Voldemort and all this stuff. And obviously he was on a path of, you know, bad stuff. But I also see him as someone that I could have seen him and Sirius having a really close relationship as children. I mean, they're only like a year apart. Literally, he goes to school the year after him. So I could see them being really close. And then either because Regulus is a little bit more, you know, reserved or soft-hearted 
or doesn't like to, you know, stir the pot, whereas Sirius probably is just like, you know, bam, like he's willing to just like go all in and Regulus is probably like, whoa, 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 like let's, like it's just not about, you know, starting drama. And then just seeing potentially come like when Sirius leaves for school and he goes into Gryffindor and he starts expressing his negative feelings on the parents. I could see that starting their rift of separation as far as like Regulus. Think about how, um, like, I don't know if it's, you know, for you, but I know for me, um, for my life experiences, we often grow up with the thoughts and morals of our what we're exposed to, like our parents. Yeah. So what yeah. what I grew up with is obviously not what I think or feel today. And it, I know yeah. it ha- was problematic. Like I know it was that way. And obviously I made a choice for and realized that I needed to be different and I chose to be different. And I feel like we see that with Regulus. Like when we hear the story from Creature of him figuring out the Horcruxes, all of a sudden, like however he found out this happened, I mean, wow, what a brave thing to all of a sudden do. Like, I'm actively going to go looking for and steal things that are supposed to help Voldemort stay alive forever when he's the most, like, terrifying, dangerous person. Like, he even says in the note, like, I'm probably long dead, but I just want you to know, like, you've probably, you know, like, I want you to know that I figured it out and I'm, you know, going to bring you down or be part of the process to bringing you down. It's just that's that's when his strength came out. Like, I feel like he followed a path that was expected. And then all of a sudden he realized either, I mean, maybe he saw it in Sirius. Maybe at, when he got older, he woke up and maybe he and Sirius reconnected. Like, what if their relationship grew again and he was trying to get an out? Wow. And yeah. it just, um, oh, like, it's, I just think that he is a product of his environment. He's not necessarily a bad character. Um, he's another character that we could see as brave obviously in the end he made a choice that he wanted to not only like not be bad like we we had talked kind of about peter before of like he made a choice not to you know give like tell them that that harry was leaving or whatever happened he made a choice and then he got choked by his own hand Regulus made a choice and he committed it to it so intensely he sacrificed himself like that was how yeah. passionate and invested he was in that decision and didn't tell his parents. His mother like cried and was de- devastated that he didn't come home and Creature couldn't tell them. I just love him as a character because we know so little about him, about him other than we know he was an opposite of Sirius. He maybe wasn't quite as attractive as him. Um, he could have felt like he was the lesser of the brothers and had to make up for it in other ways. Absolutely. And... But, you know, he was 17 when he died. He was 17. He had just left Hogwarts. I mean, that's wild. Yeah. And I just, I think that, I don't know. I just think he grew. <sighs> yeah. I just think he's not, he's not who we particularly could think him to be. But now that I think about it, it's like I could have seen him and Sirius finding a way to reconnect at the end and then whatever discovery he could have been inspired by his brother if you think about it like at that age absolutely Sirius was already like you know he was out of school for at least a year and then after that Regulus left school so (laughs) so Sirius was already making choices and doing order of the phoenixy things because only a couple years later is when the whole you know Lily and James die So I just could see that him feeling like he had to make up for the choices he made. Like he felt like he wronged Sirius for years and he felt like 
you know, and and so many people, whether he witnessed it in others, because who knows, his selflessness, because I see it as selflessness, it could be for other people, or it genuinely could have been just for Sirius. Who knows, you know, if you yeah. think about it, like, I'm yeah. making a difference because I feel ashamed of what I did and what I didn't do to help my brother, and I'm going to make up for it in the most intense way possible. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It, and if you think about characters who have given sacrifices on that level, we, we're really left with Lily, mm-hmm. who sacrificed herself to save Harry. Yeah. And because I, I don't even think like Dumbledore designed his own death, but it wasn't really a sacrifice in the same way. No, it yeah, it was a timing thing. He's like, oh, I knew eventually I'd have to. And it's like, oh, I guess this is the answer now. I have a curse that's going to kill me anyway. So I guess I got to start, de- you know, planning. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Because he had a moment of selfish weakness and then he was like, oops, I cursed my hand. Uh, <laughs> Whoopsie. And then, well, well, actually, the the implication is that the curse was a lot more serious, and Snape yeah. was able to hold it in his hand for a while with right. potions and stuff, uh, and then he was like, "You have a year at most." So then he was like, "Okay, I'm going to have to start planning how yeah. I'm going to die." You know, exit stage left because you know everything mm-hmm. has to have its place. But with with Regulus, like you point out, he was 17. I mean, I don't know if I could have made a decision that brave when I was 17 years old. Oh, I know. Oh, exactly. And he had this plan going in because he knew something was happening. He offered Creature to go and, you know, help him. And then expecting that Creature would be the one to die after drinking everything and Voldemort leaves him there. Regulus is able to bring him back and keep that yeah. secret. Oh my God. And we talked about this in Tomary, the occlumency, legitimacy yes. shit. Yes. Regulus. Okay. Regulus had been super smart, super accomplished. He obviously can do occlumency because how the hell would, unless him like just defecting and just not showing up again, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it just happened within a short period of time that he had Creature tell him what happened, take him back there within a couple days. Yeah. I don't know. But we know that he can't really have not shown up again because we know that Karkaroff did that and then, you know, a very short time later, his body was found in a shack. So, you know, Voldemort right. doesn't let shit like that lie. He, right. he So either Regulus had to have done it very quickly, like mm-hmm. got, got the Horcrux, or... Um, he was very accomplished and was able to hide his plans from Voldemort. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I think either of those things is possible. I do think he was still only 17. So maybe, you know, he knew his occlumency ability wasn't mastered perfectly. But mm-hmm. I definitely think he was capable of more than he's given credit for. Absolutely. Because I always... I, I always did sort of wonder, when we hear about Regulus, we hear Creature's retelling of what happened. And we know how Creature is massively in love with the House of Black. Like, he's always going to paint anybody from that house in the best light possible. Because, you know, it's established that house elves have somewhat, some degree of Stockholm Syndrome for their owners. You know, and so they're always going to paint their owners in the best light possible. So I did always wonder, is this just creature being overly generous 
about Regulus's accomplishments. But if you think about it, several things did have to happen for the story to make sense. He had to have found out about the Horcruxes. Mm -hmm. He had to have then taken the real one. He had to have then sacrificed himself. Mm -hmm. And I mean, only somebody very determined to do that and very set in the idea that the decision that they've made was right for them Mm -hmm. would have been capable of doing that. Yeah. And I mean, even though you say that, in the story, Crater isn't, like, fluffing it up. He's not talking Regulus up like this, you know. It's not until, like, Hermione or Harry's like, oh, here's Regulus's lock, and he's like, oh, my God, I love Regulus. Like, in the story, he's he's <laughs> literally factual because he's like, tell us what happened. And he's like, oh, I had to go with Voldemort. He told me I had to go, and it would be an honor, and then he brought me back. Then we went together again, and, and Regulus either drank it or, you know, he had Creature do it again, yeah. and then he told Creature he had to go home and tell no one about it, and leave him there die i mean good lord yeah i just i i feel like taking away it's creature couldn't really lie about it at that point because harry had asked him so directly and obviously the everything that was there once they were able to open the locket like obviously you know the rab and you know you just you know yeah i don't i i feel like there wouldn't be room for us to be it to be misconstrued on the choices he made because i don't think his personality was really it was what they were told what happened and then you're just left being like holy crap like (laughs) wow (laughs) so then you really see to bring it back around to sirius again you really see that this potentially like unexpected bravery is more of a family trait of the blacks mm-hmm. than was previously expected. I mean, I know we have there's Bellatrix in there as well, yeah. So it's not it's not as simple, it's not as cut and dried as all that. The reason I wanted to bring up Regulus at all in a Wolf Star episode is because to really sort of show off the similarities and differences between Mm -hmm. Regulus and Sirius and see how those work. Because Mm -hmm. I hadn't really formulated very much headcanon for Regulus. I mean, I know of him and I know he exists, Mm -hmm. but he's not, on the surface of it, he's not imperative to Wolfstar. But just from talking to you, and because I know you write a lot of Regulus fic, um, Mm -hmm. I, I sort of figured out Well, obviously they grew up together, so we could have a lot more to do with how Sirius has grown up than I previously gave him credit for. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I'm always happy to talk (laughs) (laughs) regular. I'm surprised we avoided Snape as long as we did this episode. (laughs) You and me both. (laughs) I know, because I easily could pivot into, I could see Regulus being friends with with Snape because (laughs) because and he's trying he's trying to prove to Snape (laughs) that he's not his brother and that he doesn't agree with his brother's behavior and blah 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 and them going to be Death Eaters together and (laughs) there's this whole thing. I have so many thoughts. So yeah, so Wolf Star. Um, yeah, for, for more details on this, yeah, for more details on this series of thoughts, you should really check out Meg's fan fiction. Um, yeah, there's a lot there. 
yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe you could put one of those in the description just yeah. for any listeners that might be curious about yeah, like, for sure. where, you, where you take these characters. <laughs> but yes, but uh, but this episode has mostly been Wolfstar, which I'm incredibly, yes. I'm incredibly proud of because I knew I had a lot to say. I didn't quite know I had this much to say. Mm-hmm. I still feel like I, I could talk for hours, but the main points of what I wanted to flesh out, we have talked about. So I'm happy. Yes, this has been absolutely wonderful. And uh, yeah, so ah, this has been good. This has been good. Absolutely. So as far as what we're doing next time, we don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We're recording this as a point that we have a backlog of a lot of... (laughs) other episodes that we have yet to release over the next several weeks uh so we have some ideas of what we're doing next uh (laughs) so we'll let you know we let we might tag something on after this and be like oh yeah we we decided we're gonna do whatever so uh (laughs) let us let us know your favorite wolf star stuff uh wolf star is a big ship we know a lot of you have to have a lot of thoughts and feelings in regards to these two as characters these two as a couple we want to see your favorite fix uh if you write it let us know we'd love to read your stuff uh so send us an email at care of magical shippers at gmail.com you can reach us on social media too uh yeah we're just we're we're, le- we're looking forward to continue more wolf star discussion before we get into whatever the heck we're doing next <laughs> so thank you for listening as always and yeah we can't wait to ship with you soon hey listeners it's editing nathan here turns out we do know what we're doing next week because we've already done it time's funny like that isn't it anyway we're going to be shipping ron slash pansy a ship that we've affectionately dubbed parsley so come join us next time to figure out why it should be a part of every balanced big diet looking forward to seeing you then While you're waiting for the next episode, all the shipping fun can continue online. You can head over to all of our social media platforms like Magical Ship Pod on Twitter and Instagram and Care of Magical Shippers on Tumblr. You can get in touch with us by email at careofmagicalshippers at gmail.com or you can leave us a voice message with all of your ship and fic thoughts and feels and have the chance to be featured on a future pod episode. We are also live on Patreon. Patrons have access to early episodes, bonus content, extended uncut episodes with all of our nonsense, ficlets written by me, exclusive merch, and a patron discord. Another easy way to show your love for the pod is by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. And thank you so much for listening.